Welcome to Yachtitude. Welcome to Yachtitude. I'm Grace. I'm Anya. And today we are talking about our new favorite show. Leonardo. Leonardo. <laughs> Exclusively on stars. We're only the best television. It's is. not on stars. Isn't it? It's on CW. CW. <laughs> oh my god. What's interesting about this show. Even better. Even better. I love a CW show. I love CW. Who does I was actually really surprised about that CW was going to do like a Leonardo show, but they really delivered. Well, they didn't actually develop this this show themselves. They uh this show was actually like developed and made in in Italy and then it was distributed in the UK and Europe by Amazon Prime. Well, but it's not on there's Amazon definitely Prime in the US. a lot of like French influence because I know yeah. at the beginning they like thank France and th- there's a lot of like f- I think a lot of like French studios were involved in this yeah. as well. Yeah, I think which they were. makes sense because France is like big in the Leonardo game. Yeah, but what's strange is that like then if you're in the UK or in Europe, you can watch the show on Amazon Prime, but if you're in the US. You can't watch this show on Amazon Prime. It's being distributed by the CW. So well, that makes sense. Because, like, like, they don't have CW in those. Like, so that, in Canada, it's the same thing. So, like, when we, we don't get, um, like, CW shows, so all those shows are either on, like, a Netflix or, um, or like, an Amazon Prime. So, it's, like, it's whatever deals you make, like, internationally when you don't have your own your own station. I mean, I understand that, but I'm just confused why Prime didn't just distribute it in america too they just didn't get the, the rights well the cw got the rights yeah but it, it is a strange combination like the cw which i feel like when i think of yeah CW, but like i think of like teen shows yes but i feel like this is like a teen show version of leonardo's life well, it definitely is like i feel like this is very much a cw <laughs> show it is but you know what i was impressed because i thought that it uh stayed relatively like relatively accurate to the major beats of Leonardo's life. Yeah. So, well, because we were also reading um, Walter Isaacson's book. Yes. Leonardo. Leonardo. Da Vinci. Is it called Leonardo Da Vinci or is it just Leonardo? It is called Leonardo Da Vinci. Yeah. It was honestly, that book was phenomenal. It's so good. It's so good. Strongly recommend. Very detailed. It is repetitive in some points, which I was like, why are we repeating the exact same thing we talked about like two chapters ago? But that's okay. They're just reinforcing the ideas and the concepts. But it was so good. And I do find that this show does cover like pretty accurately his life. Yeah. And stays true to like the big plot points yeah i would say like how they get there and the timelines and then like they make it a little bit more dramatic oh yeah well and the whole thing i mean they made up for the purpose of the show they like made up this person katarina de cremona yes and her murder and him being accused of her murder which he was never accused of murdering anybody yeah he's only ever been accused of one crime and that was sodomy when he was a young man and that was dismissed. He never, like, got in trouble. Yeah. So he was never accused of murdering anybody. They made that up for this show. Mm-hmm. I did find the character of Katarina very interesting, though. Yeah. Because that was also the name of his mother. Yeah, it was. And then throughout the show, Katarina gets pregnant with a child who's also a bastard. And that's, like, Leonardo is famous for, for being, being illegitimate. Yeah. illegitimate. And... And his dad, yeah, like, never chose to legitimize him, which is, like, a blessing and a curse. But I thought it was, like, really interesting because they have, like, 
this character, like Katarina, going through like the same kind of like life story almost mm. that Leonardo's like mother did. And so it was almost like giving Leonardo a relationship with his mom that he never got in his real life. Because in his real life, he was like born to his mother and then he was kind of like taken away yeah. and brought up by like others. Mm-hmm. And so when Katarina gets pregnant, um, she also like doesn't want the baby and like hides it and gives them to someone else. And then Leonardo is like, how can you do this? And then he's willing to die yeah. for the child. And I also thought it was interesting because then that child is named Francesco, uh-huh. which is also the name of the son that he ends up adopting at the end of his life. Oh, yeah. So it was like oh, it did yeah. come like all like first full circle. Oh, my I know. So this ends up like leaving everything he has to Francesco, basically, or a lot of yeah, a lot of it to Francesco. And I just thought it was really interesting that the show did that. I was like, so obviously these people are aware and very knowledgeable of Leonardo's life, and so they're like intertwining these like fictional aspects with like a hint of truth. So it is. Yeah, I don't know. It's fun. It's like it's like a Lacroix level hint of truth. <laughs> yeah, but it, but it was like it's so interesting. Oh yeah, I will say though, uh-huh. and I feel like this is going to be a hot take. Okay, I am not a fan of Freddie Hammersmith or whatever his name is. Freddie Highmore. Yes, Freddie Hammersmith. Yeah, well, not a fan. Well, so he was one of the producers of this show. Oh God, his like production company like was one of the producers did you think he was like a no good actor he was very distracting it? and confusing freddie okay. Hammer, yeah he's you know people would recognize him when he was a little child he was in that movie finding neverland okay and more recently he was in uh the he's the, the doctor and the good doctor right and then in this show he's playing like the investigator who's like trying to solve the mystery of this murder of this woman and leonardo's accused of it and he's like but this something doesn't seem right here so he's like going around interviewing people to try to like get to the bottom of it and he's yeah he's trying to be like oh like leonardo it looks like it's him but i don't something's not right here and then he does like end up like solving it i i didn't think he was good no is he normally like a strong actor though like was this just like a tough role for him i don't i think that this is out of his wheelhouse well i don't know if he's normally a strong actor because i haven't seen him in things recently um, I mean, I, I did see like an episode or two of The Good Doctor where he plays a person with autism and he actually is, I thought he was like relatively good in that. Okay. Because I found in this show, yeah. I was like, honestly, I wish they didn't even include him. Like I wish they, I wish they had like set it up like differently. I, I found him very distracting. I got yeah. like more used to him as mm-hmm. we kind of like continued with the show. Yeah. But I felt like at first it just seemed like very stiff. And I feel like mm-hmm. also I'm biased though. Cause I love Aiden Turner. Pull dark. Yeah. Pull dark. <laughs> and I thought he was great. Yeah. And I feel like he, I actually thought he played this role really well. He like was a good kind of like young and up and coming, like joyous, boisterous gay Leonardo. And mm-hmm. then he played kind of like the older, like rundown, more serious Leonardo really well. Yeah. And I just feel like you only really saw Aiden and what's his face? Freddie, Freddie, like really interact together for the majority of the show, and I feel like Pull Dark just blew him out of the water. Yeah, Pull Dark was a better actor mm-hmm. in this. I was actually very impressed. I had very low expectations for Pull Dark because you know, like I his that's that's the character that I think of him that actor yeah. as because that's the only time we've ever seen him is in that BBC show Pull Dark, and he's so good. And but it's kind of like a one note character, like he's like gruff and like like chivalrous. 
yeah kind of guy he like had he, um, he works by his own moral code yeah he has his own strong moral code and like luckily we love him and respect him but also we're conflicted about him but i thought that he did a really good job they actually did a really good job aging him because like yeah. at, uh, over the course of like the flashbacks to present day it, this show covers like 20 or 30 years of and i think Leonardo's life yeah and i think he was such a good such a good pick for this role yeah because if we've learned anything from walter isaacson's book is that leonardo da vinci was fucking hot shit in his he time was. he was really he good looking was a smoke show yeah. which i think is so funny because in all of like the self-portraits or like all of like the the um oh my god i can't art history major can't come up with the word statue right now <laughs> <laughs> all of like the statues that are like you know based on leonardo he modeled for it was a self whatever portrait yeah. of him are like not cute yeah. <laughs> so i think it's so funny well i think that he he's such an interesting person and i think that he like it's, I think he was like pretty hard on himself. So in his like self portraits, he doesn't do himself in a very flattering way. Yeah, like, he draws self portraits of himself, and he looks like old and like beardy and wrinkled. Like he's like going for a Dumbledore vibe. He really is. And you know what? In a well, lot think, of ways, he was more Dumbledorey in his old age than I feel like the show is prepared for. I, well, I'm wondering if we just like haven't like yeah gotten there yet. Um, but I thought it was interesting because yeah, in Walter Isaacson's book, he talks about how like Leonardo is he did he actually look like this or is he just like advancedly aging himself because he wants to be seen as that like sage character? Oh, because at the same time you have Leonardo doing like the mm -hmm. older self portraits of himself where he has the long beard and the long hair yeah. you also have his like adoptive son slash like uh protege mm -hmm. who's making portraits of leonardo where he actually looks younger yeah and kind of like more like softer and more attractive yeah and because leonardo i mean he lived until he was like six like he died at i think around 60s. 67 yeah so it's not like he was he wasn't like that decrepit. old. No, he wasn't yeah. that old. And you know, he was a total smoke show and he was like super popular. Everyone loved him. Like everyone described him as like really gentle yeah. and like kind. And he was like generous and he had a lot of friends. He had a lot of friends. Super popular dude. Okay. And yeah. I was just going to say one thing that I'm really disappointed in this show okay. for missing. Okay. Where were all the purple and pink clothes? That is what I've been waiting to say this whole time. <laughs> That was my one major bone to pick with this show is that Leonardo was a dandy. Like he was walking around in like pink and purple, like velvets and silks and like these fancy little outfits. And he had Salai, his like little boyfriend, also wearing matching pink and purple outfits. Oh yeah. Him. But the and everyone's best. like, he won't wear full pants. He only wears like capris and cool. Yeah. Which is so great. Like he was such like a fashion icon and oh, yeah. so out there, which is like so important for the context of Italy at this time, because they're like, yeah. it's like between like, he goes back between like Florence and Milan. And I think like Florence is more kind of like buttoned up and serious at times. Yeah. yeah. And so, and so when he comes back, people are really shocked by it Yeah, because he's like, being very flamboyant and I, he would also buy salai like stockings that were jeweled i know they were like bejeweled <laughs> stockings and i was like why do those not exist today i don't know <laughs> missed opportunity they're such a vibe the two of them is just such a vibe yeah the I relationship between leonardo <laughs> and salai i like i so unfortunate that they kind of like 
it fell apart in like his older years. Yeah. I think like Salai got a little jealous. It's hard to tell what happened. Yeah. Well, because it was like it's it seemed to go downhill when he kind of like brought on that like Francesco like adopted son, and yeah. then he started like Leonardo had like a little fling with a servant in his house i can't remember mm. his name who he ended up leaving like half of his yeah, he did. vineyard to like he split it between this guy and sly yeah and so i think sly just like yeah started like got jealous and started distancing himself yeah but sly in the show was so good yeah so let's do a little background on sly so <laughs> sly so sly is his nickname his actual name is giacomo I don't know his last name. That's a thing that we know, but I don't know it. Um, he came to work for Leonardo in Leonardo's workshop when he was like 10 and Leonardo's yes. like 30. There's like a 20 year age difference. Which the show does not address. Oh no, we, do, we don't In the do that. show, the Salai is a full grown man. Yeah. Whereas in real life, when Leonardo and Salai started like hooking up, he was like 15. Yeah, he was like 15. Yeah. And Leonardo was like 35, twice his age. 35 yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, so, you know... We're just okay. So that aside, complicated thing. You know what? It was there was a time and there was a place. There was a time and there was, and also arguably Leonardo when he was fifteen was. Oh yeah, he was sleeping in relationships with with much older men at that when he was young. It's just more common. I mean, like look at Leonardo's dad. I mean, I'm not making an excuse for pedophilia. Let's just be clear. But like, um, look at like Leonardo's dad for example. So he married. He had, I think, like three wives. And mm. Leonardo, like his dad, like I think his last wife was like young, like in her 20s, and he was like 70. Yeah. So, like, this is, this was just more common. Well, that dad, though, he was like trying to have sons. But only, something. but only in his later half of his life. Yeah. He like, waited he, a long time. Yeah. Cause like he just like kept on having wives, but only had kids like very late to the point where like Leonardo was like in his like forties and fifties by the time the kids came around. Yeah. He was like, I have children who could be like my children and grandchildren. Yeah. My, not children. I have siblings. Um, but anyway, so Giacomo came to live in his workshop. And at the time, like Leonardo had a whole workshop and he had a bunch of people who worked for him and lived in the workshop. Mm-hmm. That was a pretty common thing. And Leonardo himself, when he was a young man, had lived at Verrocchio's workshop. And, like, Verrocchio may have been his... I thought Verrocchio somebody. was, like, Leonardo and Verrocchio, I thought, did have a relationship. I got vibes, but I don't know that, yeah. I don't know that there's any substantiated thing there. Okay, uh, that's the impression I got from the book. That's from, what I did, too. like, Isaacson's book. Yeah, yeah. that's what I, I did, too. Um, well, you know, Verrocchio would be like... Leonardo is just so beautiful. He would like talk about it. And anyway, um, so, but then Giacomo got the nickname Salai, which means little devil, because he was just such a little scamp. And I was just laughing out loud the entire chapter about Salai. I love Salai. Like he's my, like one of my favorite people in history now. He was so funny. He really was. Their like relationship was just so funny. So he came to live with them when he was 10 and like immediately starts stealing stuff. But also he's 10. (laughs) He's 10 years old. Yeah, he's 10. Like that's the thing. Cause like we're going, Like in this book, like we're going through Leonardo's like life story, yeah. And I think it's funny because like he's like telling counts of like Sly, like how he brought Sly to a dinner, yeah. And he's like writing in his journal about like how disruptive he was. <laughs> yeah, he's he's supped for two and did mischief for four. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, because you're like a forty year old man who's basically bringing this like preteen around yeah. to like adult functions like what do you expect yeah, and he's like comes from like a peasant family yeah like he it, has to steal he's steal like poor to survive. and so he would steal stuff and they it's just like 
it like they but leonardo like he just was like exasperated and amused and yeah like, very well, affectionate about it like he was he was i like, mean he, that would, get, he would get mad yeah so he would like write in his journal like he would always like he would like account and uh-huh. write everything that Salai took. Yeah. So he was very aware, but he never... He never did anything He never really it. cared. No. Because for Leonardo, it like really wasn't about the money. Yeah. I did think it was interesting because in real life, um, when Leonardo was doing um, The Last Supper, mm-hmm. Salai, in the show all the pigments disappear and yeah. it's like a big deal because yeah, did that they really were, happen? It did really happen <gasps> and it's attributed that Sly actually took them and, and sold them. Oh. Yeah. But in the show he didn't. But in the show he didn't and then he has to he like gets them back and makes like a deal with the devil and then has to like use his body to work off. Yeah. Well because the yeah the Sly in the show has a background of being like a sex worker. Yeah. Yeah, but he did. I thought it was very. I thought the character of Salai in the show was perfect. He did good. See, this is where I'm so impressed with the show because I feel like you guys did your work. I know because, like, I feel like this isn't like common knowledge about Leonardo. Like, I feel like no. I learned a lot reading this book. Yeah, oh, I learned a lot too. And we are both art history majors. Yeah, who, like, pro- no more point, than the average person about Leonardo already. Honestly, to the point where it's like, I wish that this would have been mandatory reading in my art history class. Yeah, because I. Isaac, uh, Walter, Isaac. Walter Isaacson did such a great do- job to yeah. the point where it's like, I want to like go back and like learn more about Leonardo. Like I'm continuously oh, yeah. watching documentaries. He's such a kook. Like I want to go back to Italy. I just like want to like, I want to go to the Louvre. Like I want to like experience his work because I, I feel like I have so much more of an appreciation for it now. Oh yeah. I like genuinely love him as a person. Like yeah. he, I want to just hang out with him and like just see what he'd have to say. About just like stuff around, he's but, also such an guy. but also Salai. But also, my favorite. Oh, oh you know, my, my, yeah, you go. I was just gonna say my favorite. Like, I laughed so hard because, like, in the book, they're talking about like after Leonardo dies, and then after like Salai dies, they're going through like the inventory of what's in Salai's house, and like Leonardo and Salai, they had like a falling out, so he doesn't actually leave Salai that much. But Salai somehow got his fingers on all of these like masterworks and just like had them in his house, and he was just like like squirreling away and i was like you know what i'm so proud of you yeah he just took them he just had them <laughs> but you know what to be fair he deserves them i feel like that leonardo yeah. like cut him off near the end of the light his life was like unfair. it's unfortunate yeah i really wonder what happened but my favorite Salai story is the time when um someone gave leonardo leather like really nice leather to make boots and then leonardo wrote in his journal he was like today Salai stole the leather and sold it for 20 soldies and used it to by his own admission, to buy himself aniseed candy. I love it. He bought 20 soldies worth of aniseed candy. Yeah, but he's like 13 at this point. Like, that's what I would do. (laughs) I I mean, I love aniseed flavored things. This is the thing that we are black licorice girls. Yes. And so I 100% support it. Like, you just went and bought aniseed candy. Worth it. Worth every penny. I mean, but Leonardo, he never did anything about it. He just like, he was like, okay. Um, And that's what I wanted. That's what I thought about the show. And I wrote this in my notes in, in uh, caps lock. I wrote, make Leonardo more gay in the show. Oh, I wish he had been more gay because I feel like they're like, we do see them being companions, but they only kiss once. Yeah. 
And the thing, the thing about Leonardo is he was very open. Yeah. Like it was well known, well known that he was gay. Yeah. To the point, like even like in Florence, to the point where like the Germans, like their word for gay was like Florentine. Yeah. (laughs) Which I thought, which I thought was so funny. Where it's interesting because we do meet um, Michelangelo at the end of this show. Uh huh. And so for him, I feel like we also in the show it doesn't come across that Michelangelo was gay at all. No, I didn't. Pick but we up don't on have that. that much time with Michelangelo, and Michelangelo had a much more complicated relationship. Exactly. Well, that's my point because I feel like yeah. Michelangelo does make comments about Salai mm-hmm. being gay and Leonardo being gay, and like insinuates what their relationship is mm-hmm. um, in a very like nasty way. But I mm-hmm. feel like the reason, like I picked up on it and I noticed it because from reading this book, I was aware that Michelangelo was like he was gay, but it tortured him. Yeah. And he really hated that part of himself and mm-hmm. tried to fight it. Whereas you have Leonardo who fully embraced it. Yeah. I mean, he was like going off about how the penis was so beautiful and men shouldn't be ashamed to like hide it and cover it up. Yeah. And he, all of his like male works, they're usually like nudes, whereas his females, he like covers up because he could care less about women. Yeah. Like I, I thought that was really interesting also his like view on women being like if they weren't like pretty we wouldn't like the population would die out yeah and so he'd like only ever draw women from like basically like the like their head and like shoulders Uh because he's like that's all i really care about because it's like more of like the emotion like the beauty Mm -hmm. of emotion in a woman whereas Mm -hmm. like he was hot for men only men and it was very obvious yeah like unlike his contemporaries i think it's important like Leonardo only ever had one painting with a nude woman in it is actually lost now. He did later in the swan yeah. with a nude woman, but it's it's gone. Um, well, and it, or is it burned? Or is it burned? Like because Catherine de Cremona. Um anyway, but he never drew he never painted um like nude women in mm-hmm. his paintings. So he did a lot of nude men. Um, which was unlike his contemporaries. Like, nude women was all over the place in Renaissance Italy. Like that was a thing. Yeah. And Michelangelo painted nude women. I mean, they are nude men with boobs. But, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but, Le- yeah, I think Leonardo was just not interested. I just think it's interesting because a lot of historians, like, this is a classic case of, like, historians being, like, kind of, like, glossing over. Like, I feel like when I went to school and got my art history degree, Leonardo's sexuality was, like, like a kind of weird, like, secret. Like, we just didn't even talk about it. Whereas we talked about, like, other people, like Raphael, who had a female like lovers we talked about Raphael's love life we don't talk about Leonardo's and I think that I don't know it just seems like people are kind of uncomfortable with it interesting yeah I'm trying to remember if I knew that Leonardo was gay I knew I definitely knew that Michael I was taught that Michelangelo was gay I feel like I did because I feel like I like knew about Salai I did not know about Salai prior to this book I didn't well and I think the reason why I knew about it is because and like the book touches this uh, on this as well is because Leonardo was like so obsessed with curls. Oh like my he, God, he wasn't he ever. He loved a curl. He loved a curly hair. Yeah. And so I feel, I feel like I knew that because a lot, I feel like. Because I fe- he was always drawing Salai who had very curly Yeah. Hair. And so I feel like maybe that, that came up in like one of my art history courses. Cause like when mm. I was, when we talked about this in the book, I was like, oh, I remember this from school. Like I remember learning about Salai and how he was like a, an influence. Mm. But now I'm wondering if I just thought Salai was a model. Anyway. But yeah, I, w- I wanted to say the, 
the Salai in this show is yeah. so perfect. Even like the curls were great. Perfect. Curls. I just, I thought I did want to like mess them up a little bit. Yeah. Cause they looked like so too perfect. Too yeah. perfect. Like it just came off the curling iron. But I'm also wondering, did Salai like those curls couldn't have been natural in the show they're definitely they don't look natural so did they curl their hair in the renaissance they must no they definitely did people did i don't know if salai did or like i don't know if maybe just that actor just didn't have curly enough hair because i looked at like the pictures of salai like the sketches and it looks like they look like they look like natural curls you think they're natural okay because i was wondering because i know that because like it wouldn't shock me that they were like curling their hair because they were they did care about their appearance. Oh yeah, both Leonardo and Sly, and so mm-hmm. that's why I was like I was like curious about that. But I think women at the time would have been curling their hair. Oh yeah, so they're like they would have been able to curl their hair. I just don't know if they did or not. Yeah, I guess because I feel like this show is like very purposeful in what it did, mm-hmm. and so by having those stiff curls, I was like, oh, I wonder if that was like a common practice for men as well. Mm. But I don't know things to look up. Yeah. Okay. I would say yeah. one of the scenes that really blew me away, and one thing I actually didn't know about Leonardo, was his set and stage designs. I learned that too over the course of this. That was incredible. Incred- yeah. Incredible. Yeah. And it's just so, I feel like this show did such a good job at making his kind of like sets come to life because Mm -hmm. we we have like the sketches but we can't no one saved the the sets that he did for these like plays and shows yeah and so seeing like the conception like kind of come to life in this show Mm -hmm. was so well done and blew me away the the fact and i think that's like the major theme of leonardo in general is like we don't appreciate him enough just Mm -hmm. like he was such a genius i know and what he was able to accomplish blows my mind like the anatomy portion the fact that he like figured out that the heart had four ventricles and not two and like how it worked and then he like studied so much about like the muscles and the ligaments to really understand how movement in the human body actually worked and then transcribe that to his work yeah it was fascinating it's very interesting he he went about he was so meticulous and methodical and he was just like the thing is that he's like so 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 much more than just a painter like he was out here inventing weapons and re- like he was like invented city planning <laughs> yeah i mean a true <laughs> renaissance man stuff. in like every this is sense why of the we world invented word. the word renaissance man for yeah. leonardo because he was so good at so many different things um but it's so interesting because leonardo and like he was the son of a notary and so he was really good at taking notes and we have just like thousands of pages of his notebooks and his writings and stuff he had to say and he would write all this stuff in mirror script and everyone later is like oh is the mirror script a code and it's just because he was left-handed, he was left-handed. And he was re- he was one of those people who made left-handed as a personality trait. Yeah, <laughs> honestly. But um, he the the thing about Leonardo is that like he was he was discovering things about like science and about like human anatomy before everyone else. Well, but he way before because we like us as a society weren't even able to like confirm it yeah. until like hundreds of years later. Yeah, but the thing is, he wasn't interested in disseminating that information no like he was really interested in finding it out for like the knowledge's own sake and for his learning and then he would apply it and like make like make um what's the word i'm looking for he would make like analogies between yeah. totally different things like you'd be like oh water is like the veins which is like tree branches and to us now that sounds like oh yeah of course but like no one oh see that that, that blew my mind when he yeah. was like talking about how like like the 
when he was like studying water and like Mm -hmm. being like is it drawn up because of the heat and i'm like wow you really put so much work into this oh yeah he's so obsessed and he's like he's like oh you know he'll randomly just be like oh study the tongue of the woodpecker and then the year thousands of years not thousands but like hundreds of years later they're like oh the wood the tongue of the woodpecker is very unique compared to other animals tongues yeah like he was just so interested like he would find all this stuff but he wasn't interested in like making a book to publish for others to read. Like he didn't really seem to oh, have a concept no. of like, well, and he didn't even care about like what other people thought about his findings because yeah. I mean, at this time we're in Italy, it's the Renaissance, like the Pope is everything. Yeah. And he like did like a lot of studies with like, um, geology and fossils. Yeah. He was super so, that. <laughs> yeah. And so basically like debunked like the, the story of Noah's Ark. Yeah. Because he said, if there was a big, like the reason why we have these like fossils in these mountains is not because there was a big flood that pushed everything up because if we would have had that we would have seen like an equal representation around like kind of the same altitude of like multiple different yeah like species but we're seeing like a like a mix and it kind of like descends like with time and so he was able to tell or surmise basically that these used to be like lakes and earth moves and like, like time has like manipulated the earth in such a way that now yeah. we're on a dry spot that at once upon a time was an ocean. Yeah. Which like, is so the oceans fascinating. would come and go and recede at, at multiple different points in time and history. No, I mean, he could like deduce such incredible things. And then yeah. he just like, and he had like other intellectual friends that he was discussing all of these things with. He had a lot of intellectual friends, but he was just like, he never like, made it into a thing to be like this is i'm this is my entry into like the greater human body of knowledge like he was just off in his little corner and leonardo like and so for a couple centuries a lot of that knowledge that he found was not known to like the greater humanity like now we all see these things in his sketches and we like now we know about it but at the time all of his like sketches were just kind of like off hidden somewhere yeah and weren't so like then later people later scientists had to go and figure this all all out again without his so like it's just very interesting because he figured this all out way before everybody else and then everybody else had to figure it out on their own time yeah i don't know it's so it's so ingenious i Mm -hmm. loved so in the show and this was also like a big kind of point in his life but in the show he's like working for um the duke of milan and the duke asks him to like commission a huge statue of his father yeah um and so leonardo does it like on horseback but in order to like that get the horse right he like goes and he goes to like these like butchers and is like studying the carcasses of these horses yeah and just like gets and is like like such like painstaking work but honestly it pays off he's such a horse boy i know he's obsessed with horses i know but like but the it, list of things that leonardo though. was obsessed with is so long well because he has like so but it comes in and out so oh, it's like yeah. when he's like focusing on something that's i mean he's well, like he, add he has add yeah. yeah like when he's like focusing on something that's all he can focus on yeah he's but so honestly sad. i'm just so sad that that statue so they basically he made like the cl- clay mask uh mass for it but they were never actually able to to dip it in bronze because then they were at war and so they needed all that metal to like make cannons or whatever yeah and so and so in real life what happens is when the french invade they use it as like target practice yeah so that statue because it would have been spectacular yeah if it had survived yeah um but yeah unfortunately all we have is like the the sketches and the drawings but I, I thought that was also cool, like seeing that statue itself come to life mm-hmm. in the show because it's so big. Yeah. You really 
like understand just like how magnificent it was yeah yeah um i really like the part and i really i actually so michelangelo only really appears in like one episode um, he's there for like the last episodes. couple okay or a couple last but he's few, not yeah. he's not there for like a super long time which is true like to real life like michelangelo yeah. was like a ch- like a chapter at the end of leonardo's life but i just thought it was really interesting to see the two of them together and um it is true that they had kind of a rivalry because when they first met leonardo is significantly older than michelangelo like 25 Mm -hmm. more years um and they and by the time they met like leonardo is like an established maestro and like michelangelo is like some kid who's like still on up and coming and yeah. he had made the David, which but he's definitely like nipping at. Oh yeah. Leonardo's. He's nipping at his heels. But yeah. Michelangelo has a bunch of skills that Leonardo never really developed. Like Leonardo never got good, never even tried to get good at fresco. He was like, I'm going to invent my own fresco thing. Yeah. And boy, are we sad about that now? Honestly, really bad. <laughs> Salai was right. I love in this show. I, cause in the show, Salai was like, are you sure you want? No, it wasn't Salai. It was uh, Leonardo's friend. I can't remember his name. Yeah. But he's like, are you sure you're going to want to do this? Because it's not going to last. Yeah. Like your, your image is going to fade. This is for the yeah. last supper. Yeah. And it did. Yeah. So, so he was right. Yeah. Which that's is heartbreaking. Yeah. But. So that's the thing about the last, about like the last supper is that normally when people did paintings on the walls, which was very, very common at the time, um, they would do this style called fresco where they would take the plaster and put it on like a small section and then paint that with a special like fresco paint right on the plaster. And then it would dry and then it would be very permanent. Like fresco paintings still stand today and they're in great shape. Um, but Leonardo wasn't really suited to fresco because it means you have to like work fast. So you do that section and then it dries and it's done. You can't change it. You can't touch it ever again. To do, in order to redo it, you'd have to like tear out that piece of plaster and put in a new piece of plaster. And that's just like, isn't just, Leonardo's style? No, Leonardo, because even like he would take forever to finish a work and oh yeah. would come back like years later. Like the Mona Lisa, he would like continuously like touch years, up. Yeah. And so he actually never, like he died. Yeah. They found it like in his studio when he died. Yeah. And he, still he, had he never gave it to the patron. Yeah. And this was like, what, like 20 years after it was commissioned? Yeah. Like it was so, and he would just like, and they would like look at it and analyze it. And they're uh-huh. like, yeah, he's just like added a brush stroke here like 10 years later. Yeah. He would just do a single thing. So he never did like fresco, fresco the way that everyone else was doing. So when he got commissioned to do The Last Supper, which was on a plaster wall, he was like, I'm going to invent a new thing. I'm going to invent a new way to paint. This is what I'm going to do. And it didn't work. And so it immediately, like started to flake off oh was it immediate i thought it yeah, oh, I, yeah within 10 okay. years it started to flake oh, within okay. 10 years um like by the time he was done yeah like his fellow artists who were working on it with him started to notice like it wasn't in the best shape it could be even by the because he did it in like a combination of like oil paints and egg tempera mm-hmm. and it just like it wasn't made to last he thought it was gonna last but it didn't and so even by the end of his life it already so showed signs of like decaying and um then it, it like the the last supper as a painting has like been through the ringer like oh it's yeah. amazing that it still exists yeah because it like it had to go through world war ii and it like it had to be sandbagged because there were bombs all around it mm-hmm. in the 1600s somebody cut a door in the bottom of mm-hmm. it it's been an active monastery for a super long time it's not anymore i've been to see the last supper and it's really cool but um it was like uh, several different people have tried to like touch it up 
Oh yeah. And so they went and painted to over it. Very degrees and then of and some people would try they'd be like, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna take it off the wall. And they would try to remove it the way you can remove a fresco because a fresco is essentially just colored plaster. Mm-hmm. But this is a painting on top of the plaster, so you can't cut into it. So they would really, really damage it every single time they tried to do anything. So it's been redone, but now if you try to go see it, there's like a limit. There's like only like 50 people a day can go see The Last Supper, and you have to like go through like this like hyperbaric room where you go and you like breathe clean oxygen for like 20 minutes so you have to go sit in like a separate room and breathe clean air and then like put on like all these booties and stuff and then like go in and you can't even get close you have to like stand at the back of the room and like look at it and you're like i hope i should i be holding my breath right now because like even like dirty air is gonna like damage it it's crazy yeah well it makes sense i mean and i don't blame them for doing that i think we Mm -hmm. should have those like measures put in place to protect this oh yeah because if it's unstable oh 100 yeah yeah, i think that's totally valid it's cool like i i did find the argument because they they touched on this a bit in like the walter isaacson book but the argument of like should we clean the mona lisa yeah because the mona lisa itself has like definitely like darkened significantly in Mm -hmm. like like over the course of its life yeah and so by cleaning it it will really like brighten and like see what the original one was like but at the same time it's so famous Mm -hmm. for being so like subtle and dark so i'm interested it's just such an interesting interesting, because i was trying to think like how do i feel about that because like when it comes to like restoring art i don't know i feel like it's a very tricky it's a tricky subject yeah it is but first okay I want to talk about, oh. <laughs> I, 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 I want to get to the part where he's myth Michelangelo and they did have that rivalry and he had, this was his second fresco that he ever tried to do the battle of whatever Algieri, I can't remember. Yeah. As something that he was trying to do a fresco on the wall and he was like, this time around, I'm going to invent wax paint. And I just, I have a personal connection to this one because um, they basically like Michelangelo and Leonardo were painting simultaneously two frescoes on opposite walls. Neither of them were ever finished. And then later they were plastered over and other stuff was put there and people forgot about it. Like it was considered a lost work for a really long time. And they rediscovered it while I was living in Florence. And it was like this major, major discovery. And it was really cool because they were like, they were like, Oh yeah. You know, uh, people keep writing about it, but we don't know where it is. And they're like, Oh my God, we found it. And, um, I just thought it's very interesting. And so they do have like x-rays now of like what the sketches underneath looked like, but neither of them ever even got even close to finishing that painting. Yeah. And then they both stopped. But so speaking of both uh, new discoveries and restorations, there is a new potential Leonardo painting that's just been discovered in the past like 20 years. Yeah, I think 2008. 2008. The Salvatore Mundi painting, which a lot of you might have, people might have heard of. I don't know. Somehow, like, I missed the whole thing. I was like, oh, really? In, I was getting an art history degree and just like missed the whole thing. Yeah, I'm surprised. Wasn't paying attention. And it was like happening, like, while I was in New York. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I remember, yeah, I remember it being like a big deal at the time. It was a big deal at the time. Yeah, because I remember like there was like a bunch of like, I feel like there was like a, new york times article like there was like new yorker article there's like so many articles about it i don't know i was in college i wasn't paying attention i guess i mean i was a journalism major so i also should have been paying also attention studying to art history <laughs> in new york when it came to christie's in new york on tour 
it's fine just missed it whatever it's fine (laughs) this is why i didn't go into like art journalism because i was not paying attention (laughs) but um we it is just so crazy to me it's still just crazy to me that they like found this painting so it was it it just like turned up in new orleans in 2008 and these two guys just like this one guy thought it thought it was like special so we got another guy to buy it with him and they bought it for eleven hundred dollars in like an estate sale or something wait no i think it was more than that i think they got it for like eighty three thousand. Eighty three thousand. Yeah. Why did where did the number eleven hundred come from? Oh, maybe it was eleven hundred. I thought it was more. I but maybe know. not. No, because maybe they bought it. No, I'm misremembering. I'm misremembering because oh. it was originally it was bought for eighty three thousand from the French, um, the French like collector, and then he turned around and sold it. Yeah, exactly. The, yeah. So, um, but they just bought it for like super cheap at the time because at the time everyone just thought it was like not special yeah they thought it was like like a student of leonardo yeah because they were like oh it's someone it was like around the same general period and it like uses same like techniques but it's like not they thought it they thought it was like older yeah so they they brought it to like they thought it was newer they thought it was newer than leonardo they didn't think it was they didn't even like really at the time entertain the idea that it was like an authentic leonardo they were just like maybe it was like in his workshop or something so they brought it around to like art expert experts and restorers to try to be like when is this from like how special is it um it was super super damaged like it's on like not a great panel of wood that has like a knot and a crack and they couldn't they had like a weird provenance they like couldn't tell well it didn't have a provenance it didn't have a provenance yeah that's that was the issue and because they were like so in the book they talk about how um i think walter isaacson does mention that this was like in like sly's inventory like after he had died yeah but then other than that so we know that this painting like existed at some point. Yeah. But then a lot of people were like, this isn't the actual one. Yeah. It's we, like a copy or like a reproduction. Yeah. We yeah. knew that Leonardo had done like a Salvatore Mundi at some point because it was like in his own records and there was like stuff and people in his workshop, you know, like he had a whole workshop of people who are making copies of his stuff as he does his own stuff. They're like duplicating it to try to get better. And then he would have people in his circle who were like other artists around town who are copying his stuff too and writing about it. And then there are other contemporaries from like farther afield. And so we knew like there are copies of the Salvatore Mundi by people in his workshop and students of his and just like other artists around the same time. Um, but I think that everyone just considered the original Salvatore Mundi just be lost. Mm-hmm. just gonzo and there's a lot of a lot of leonardo's are just gonzo like we're never gonna see him again which is sad but um they like brought it around to like art experts and then like this one like restorer lady like started working on it and as she started working on it she was like i think that this is like actually by leonardo himself yeah well the big exciting part is when as she was like cleaning it she found like the thumbprint. Yeah. And she got really excited because yeah. Leonardo, like unlike a lot of other artists at this time, would like use his like fingers. Yeah. A lot. And so having a print was very exciting, but yeah. they couldn't actually like authenticate it as a Leonardo print. It didn't have like uh, as many, it didn't have like enough ridges yeah. for it to be like a true match, which is unfortunate. Yeah. But it reminds me like this story of like this Leonardo is so similar to have you seen the documentary um who the fuck is jackson pollock 
No. <gasps> you need to watch that. It's so good. But oh. it's, a, it's a very similar story where it was like a yard sale uh-huh. and someone was just like walking by and they were like, mm-hmm. that looks like a Jackson Pollock and mm. bought it. Oh. And then they went through all of this work trying to like authenticate it. Yeah. It's very similar. Did they authenticate it? Um, I think they did. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. To the same point as this, like this, like yeah. Salvatore Mundi is now like authenticated as a Leonardo. Well, this story gets complicated with the Salvatore Mundi, doesn't it? It's a complicated tale. I love it. But like you guy. expect nothing else That's from the art world because I feel like everything yeah. when it comes to art and they like address this in the Salvatore, like the lost Leonardo like m- movie because there is also mm-hmm. a book. Yeah. Um, but I didn't read the book. I just like saw the documentary. Yeah. But um, in the documentary, they they address this. But yeah, the art world is like it's like no rules, no regulations. It's like the Wild West. So it's like you never know. Like, really what's, like, going on. And, like, everyone is so, like, you have people that are, this is definitely a Leonardo. There's no doubt in my mind. And then you have, like, other experts who are, like, vehemently opposed to it. Yeah. So it's it's all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. True. So they, they, but this woman saw, like, some elements of the technique of the painting. Like, also, like, the way the lip is painted with the sfumato. You yeah. know, like, I really love how in the Leonardo show that we watched, though, they would just, like, randomly drop in, like, 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 hot words for, like, the Leonardo keywords. They'd be like, I loved it, though. Oh, see, I absolutely loved that. <laughs> I, know, I, love I that was too. like, you, are, you guys are just, like, <laughs> like a bunch of nerds, like, and I love this. That is one thing when I was in school. Like, I could have, like, had Kiara's girl, like, tattooed on my body. Like, I feel like that was one of the most heard words of my oh, yeah. university life. Like, Kiaroscuro. Yeah, it was atmospheric so perspective. <laughs> but yeah, she, yeah, so, like, as she was restoring it, she just was like, this is definitely a Leonardo. And yeah. her husband, was like a a Leonardo like scholar Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure and so he even thought it was but unfortunately like died before anything major was able to like yeah uh any sort of like major investigation was done yeah but yeah so she was very passionate and she was like this is definitely there's like no doubt in my mind oh yeah she like looked at it she was like the way the curls are yeah the the lip is painted Blah, 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 blah. She I was mean, like, it's so similar to like the Mona Lisa because they aged this that this would be like a similar time frame, yeah, as the Mona Lisa. And mm-hmm. so, having, yeah, like that lip structure, like it was very similar. So, there were definitely like threads that were like linking it throughout. It's, yeah. it's fascinating, yeah. So, then, but these two guys who bought it, they had like they had now these people who are like pretty sure, but they're trying to get it authenticated and they can't, they're like, it's a whole big process and they can't determine if it's like the authentic Leonardo or not, but now they're sitting on this like potential authentic Leonardo by the hand of the master. And it's like a really big deal and they can't figure it out. And then this is where this story just takes just like such unexpected turns after this, I feel like, because then the Swiss guy gets involved and he brings in the Russians and they bring in the Saudis and this story gets nuts. I feel like. Wait, the French guy or the Swiss guy? They're the same. Well, Bouvier? Yeah, I thought he, he was French. He's Swiss. Oh, because I thought there was like a different Swiss guy. No, he Bouvier is Swiss. I, I thought he was French too, but I looked it up. Okay. To, because I was going to call him the French guy. That's what, because he speaks French. His yeah. name is Bouvier. Turns out Yves Bouvier is Swedish. Is that, makes, that makes Swiss. a lot more sense because the fact that he has, so he like owns a free port mm-hmm. in Switzerland, which makes like a lot more sense because I was like, how is he able... Yeah, how is he doing this? Yeah. So he's like some Swiss guy, and he does this thing where he, in 2013 now, he goes and he like represents a Russian oligarch 
in this the like in buying the painting from the two american guys three american guys now who own it yeah well because the and russian oligarch was so obsessed with this painting yeah because even like yves bouvier was like this isn't like an authentic we leonardo sure. like right we have been working on restoring this for years and he's like that's usually a red flag because like mm -hmm. how much of the work is like actually the original artist yeah and so he but like it was, so I thought it was really interesting. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, no, the, the Russian oligarch was obsessed. Oh, yeah, he, he was saw like, it. I need this. Yeah, he saw it one time and he was like, I am captivated by this painting. I must have it. And so the Swiss guy's like, okay, I'll go get it for you, Bouvier. So Yves Bouvier, he goes to the American guys and he's like, okay. He brings like a poker player to like do the negotiation Honestly, with him. genius. Genius move. He is such a genius. Art of the deal, deal? <laughs> yeah or the deal. Honestly, honestly like this guy think what you want about him but like i am just like impressed from his like sheer business <laughs> and side. his like balls yeah <laughs> like yeah. i don't know like he really had a lot of like a lot of chutzpah yeah going into this so he brought this like like a poker player to be his negotiator and he meets with the american guys and he makes them an offer of like 82 million dollars 83 million dollars something like that yeah and no uh yeah yeah and like that's a lot of money if it is an authentic leonardo it's worth more than that but they're at this point these american guys are like yeah let's just do this like we we've been trying to authenticate it for years it's become really hard like no one else really wants to buy it so yeah take it so Meanwhile, they, he's telling the Russian oligarch yeah. that this is going to be, he was like, are you sure you want this? Because they're trying to sell it for about like 120 yeah. or something. He tells them like 150 off the bat, I think. Well, at first it's 120. Oh. Um, and then he buys the painting for yeah. 83 million. Yeah. And then so he actually already has the painting and then goes back to the Russian oligarch and is like, wow, they're really putting me through the paces. Like yeah. they want like they want more and they're like pushing me to like one like 25 or something yeah and then he asks the russian like what's the highest you would go yeah and the russian's like the highest i'd go is probably like yeah like 150 and so he's like oh, okay but at this point and then he's it's like fake bidding it's war. fake because he has this painting the entire he time he bought it for 83 million yeah and so he basically is just like now making money for himself trying yeah, just, to like sell it to this russian yeah he's like which inventing is this so fascinating it's, no yeah i have a lot of respect for his like gall like his yeah. the audacity to do this and just like totally cheat this russian billionaire yeah out of like you know 40 plus million dollars like mm -hmm. he just marked it up 40 million dollars yeah and it ends up like he ends up the russian oligarch gets it for 127 and mm -hmm. um so Yves Bouvier like walks away with like $40 million. Yeah. No. And, it's, and he's like, he's renowned for this. Yeah. So he had, it turns out he had done this a bunch of times over to this same guy. And so when the guy finds out, th this is what's known as. Well, the, not just to this guy. I mean like to a bunch of people. Cause Yves yeah. Bouvier, like he owns, like how he made a lot of his money is from these like free ports. Mm -hmm. So basically all these wealthy people are able to like buy these expensive works of art, but then they don't actually bring them to their country. They like leave them at this free port. Yeah. And so they don't have to pay taxes. They're able to like put them here and then get a loan against it to get their yeah. money. So he, but he like as a collector will like buy and sell art. And I think he, I can't remember. I think he's made like a billion dollars. Oh, he's made a crazy just amount of from selling art, which yeah. is insane. So these like these free ports are a secure vault in Switzerland, and he owns them. And it's like 
basically like they're like near or on the airport ground so it's so essentially still in transit technically so that's why you don't have to pay taxes on it because it's technically still yeah because it's uh, it's they're usually like on the base of like an airport so if you've seen the movie revenant a lot of that movie takes place in like uh, a free port mm. because there's like a piece of work there's like a piece of artwork and they're like fighting and so um, that's that's like a free work that's a free port yeah so you yeah. don't need and but the, the lengths that these people will go to to get out of paying their taxes well incredible. it's out of paying their taxes and it's also like if their country is unstable yeah and so if they think they're gonna get like raided yeah so this russian oligarch for example mm-hmm. um so he he owned this was it like a lithium mine it was some sort of oh potash the russian oligarch mm. that bought the Saudermundi owned like a potash mine and there was like a big something it was like a meltdown and so mm-hmm. he was like in a little bit of hot water because it was like the chernobyl of like i don't know russia oh yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah. so he was like i need to have like all of my money in like assets that I can like grab and go. Yeah. So that's when he really started like investing in like art pieces mm-hmm. with uh, Yves Bouvier. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, throughout that, the course though, yeah, Yves just like really, really took him for a ride. Yeah. But I just, I, th- I didn't really know very much about these free ports and I thought it was interesting. Like it's just, it's like this way for these people to like have your cake and eat it too because you like, you invest this money in these artworks like millions of dollars in a piece of art and now it's this asset and you put it in the free port and then you can actually like use it as collateral for a loan with the bank yeah and so you can be like here's this painting give me a hundred million dollar loan you can have this painting it's in a free port they take the loan and then they pay back the loan and then they get the painting back when they're done yeah so it's like or they it's die a way to, like have your cake and eat it too well that's exactly and a lot of people do that i mean celebrities do like every I'm all just rich not pe- aware of what they're doing well yeah because they actually so like well, that's like the whole thing with Elon Musk, right? Your like mm. net worth is actually like a lot higher, but the money you have on the bank, he has mm. like forty thousand dollars, right, or something crazy like that. And it's because he's like borrowing against his own assets, right, to live off of. Like that's what he's living off. He's not living off of his own like. And a lot right. of celebrities do that. They just like they take money out of the bank mm-hmm. and they're living off of loans. And so yeah, they don't have to pay taxes because at the end of the day, they just have loans. They, right. It doesn't look like they're they have that much money. Right. So I just thought it was interesting. interesting. But anyway, when this oligarch finds out that he was uh, scammed by Bouvier, he like goes ape shit. Well, rightly so. (laughs) Rightly so. Because he's like, yeah, he's like has this like huge art collection. But he's like looking around. He's like, I've been scammed. I've been massively paying over overpaying for all of it. Yeah. And so he's like, fuck you. I want my money back. Yeah. So he goes and he's like, I'm going to sell my entire art collection of Christie's, including the Salvatore Mundi. So that's when the well, that's what he started with. He was like, I will. I want to sell all my work excuse me the first thing i want to sell is the salvador mundi and so christy's like fuck we really need to like get our butts in gear to like sell this painting so we can like also then sell the rest of his right because it's like collection it's it's like the only questionable thing yeah and he had a phenomenal collection and they're like we need that money yeah they're like because they walk away with such a huge commission on each sale so they're like he has this amazing phenomenal collection and the only thing that has any question mark around it is the freaking Salvador Mundi that's still like not technically authenticated technically. And so they go and they take it all around the world and they show it to all kinds of people and everyone's obsessed with it. And then in 2017, they put it up for sale at auction at Christie's and 
it becomes well even before yeah. we get to that okay what do you, what? christie's invested so much into this yeah they made a huge marketing campaign yeah and was like promoting this as like the male version of the mona lisa and had it on tour and it like went all over the world and like so tourists were coming in and taking photos of it like it was mm-hmm. they built up so honestly genius christie's genius but they built up so much hype for this <laughs> meanwhile me knows nothing <laughs> meanwhile i didn't hear a single goddamn thing this whole time <laughs> where yeah. was i i don't know where i was living i don't know but it was, <laughs> no i it's just it's so interesting watching this it's yeah. it's really it's really cool to see i highly yeah. recommend this documentary oh yeah this movie is great yeah the lost leonardo um but it ends up going for sale and it's sold to an anonymous bidder after an intensive bidding war. Oh, super. The so, biggest bidding war ever. Because yeah. I think prior to this painting being sold, the most um, expensive painting at Christie's, I think, was like $180 million, something yeah, around that. 180 yeah. Or maybe a little less than 180 because they thought this could go for 180 which would have been a huge the deal. most they've right. ever sold for. Yeah. And it was pretty contentious. Like, people were, like, bidding and really, really pushing it up. Oh, yeah. To the point where it's, like, surpassed, like, everyone's expectations. People were so shocked. Yeah. I think it ends up going for, like, $400 million. yeah. That's insane. Is that still, like, the most expensive painting? It is still the sold. most expensive painting that's ever been sold. That's amazing. And yeah. it's like unauthenticated. Yeah. And we, we're not, we, we have strong suspicions, but we don't even 100% know who bought it. Well, I think we do. No, I think we do know that it was the Saudi prince that bought it. It like at well, first you, we didn't know, but I feel like. If you look at the like, Wikipedia, it says the Saudi minister for the arts bought it, which is not mbs mohammed bin Salman. okay but like the saudis have the saudis bought yeah because i feel like that was like a lot of people were like we don't know and we were trying to figure it out and it was a big deal and like an article came out that like broke it yeah so it was a really big deal the saudis bought it for 450 million dollars and they it's just like so crazy so they buy it and then it was supposed to go be at an exhibition at the louvre a cr- like in like a whole thing that's like celebrating like 500 years yeah a big retro- retrospective of leonardo's, of leonardo's life. life and so everyone everyone at the louvre was really excited about it and then it's not there well that was like a very political that was a thing twist. though that was because a very political thing. A, a lot of people didn't want it to be so before it was announced that it was going to be at the louvre before like anyone knew this the louvre actually like in secret brought it in and was like investigating it to they did their own like authentic check mm-hmm. and so when the ex- exhibit opened and it wasn't there a lot of people were like questioning like it was this is this actually like are there still questions yeah maybe it wasn't authenticated yeah and the reason why so this got like really political because at this time there was the the American journalist that was killed. Mm-hmm. And so the Saudis would just had a lot of bad press. Mm-hmm. And so they only kind of were like, yeah, we'll like give France this like Leonardo if they like display it. And it was like more kind of like a good, like humanitarian, like political move. Yeah. 
but then yeah it never showed up yeah i mean i I think that there's yeah like those two things at play like the louvre did get their hands on it for like a minute and they did like some x-rays kind of on it yeah in secret though in secret and then there's like that weird thing where like they did it and they did an investigation and then they put a book out but then they like take the book back so there's only like barely any books about this and so like in the book in the book that the louvre put out like while they had this exhibition Mm -hmm. which isn't in print now it's like really hard to get your hands on yeah they won't Um, sell it to anybody anymore no but it's it they do they do refer to it and authenticate it as a leonardo Mm. in the book and that's why it was such a big deal because for like a third party like the louvre to do that is a huge deal well Well, you're putting your reputation on the line yeah which is why i feel like they pulled it because they i feel like they weren't sure yeah because to this day it's still it's still unclear yeah it's not fully well yeah but if the louvre is going to put out a book that says we authenticate this it is for all intents and purposes like authenticated but at this point the fact that it's gone for what like 450 million dollars is like I mean, statement enough. Exactly. But, that this painting has value. Yeah. So, but what's just crazy, and they started to talk about this in this movie, they start to be like, we're not even really sure where it is right now. Yeah. They think it's and on a I'm yacht. Freaking <laughs> the fuck out. I mean, we don't even know where it is right now. Yeah. We don't know where it is right now. Yeah. Nobody really knows. No, well, they think, well, because like someone like was on like the, like the Saudi prince's yacht yeah. and was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw it on his yacht. Yeah. And I was like, what? This, and it's <laughs> not. It's just on a boat? On a luxury yacht. If that doesn't say yachtitude, I don't know what does. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So crazy. But yeah, and so like now people suspect that like the Saudis are like gonna build like a special museum for it or like a special like exhibition in like in Saudi Arabia like for tourists to come see. But if they're gonna do that, they haven't really made an official announcement about it. I don't know. I think it was like, I mean, it was kind of like a power play to be like, I'm going to buy this just because I can. Yeah. I mean, the fact that you bought it for $450 million is exactly, that's all it is. Yeah. Yeah. That's just that fact alone. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's such a good story. It's just crazy. But the thing is that Leonardo would hate this so much. The whole way that this has played out where like this has become like a tool for like money and power. He would not like it. He was not a money power guy. He wasn't, but he also didn't have any qualms by associating himself with people that did. Because when he was like in Milan, he was like loyal to like the Duke. Ludovico Sforza. And then as soon as the French showed up, he was like, oh yeah, JK, I'm like with the French. Like he would align, he would align with whoever had money that was going to give him commissions and like support his art and his essentially his genius like he was definitely he didn't have loyalty like he would he would he would follow the money to get paid and be able to like facilitate his art yeah you're right about that so i don't know i don't know how leonardo would feel about i don't know i guess i like now that i I know more about him he was like he was like a very personally generous person like with the people around him he was but he was also very competitive against like fellow artists yeah so even with like michelangelo like because we know that leonardo was like oh dicks out all the time like we have no problem showing the male penis but then as soon as michelangelo does it he was like oh that's not tasteful you need to put like a leaf on top of it yeah and so i don't know i don't know it's interesting but at the same time he's also like he's a sweetheart who's like don't eat animals because it's like cruel and he's a yeah. lifelong vegetarian because he's like never eat, i don't want to like be a what was it what did he say like he's like i don't want to be like he, a he didn't want to eat anything that was like dead he only wanted to eat like yeah he had a th- that 
that like because it's like as soon as like you kill an animal it's dead yeah and he didn't even want to wear leather no he didn't want to wear dead animals and he like really like appreciated like the jainists yeah yeah he was like that's like really fascinating you know so but it's but it's interesting because then he did align with some very vicious and brutal people brutal people but you know when like the show Borgia. <laughs> i mean i know but in the show they do bring up and i do wonder like he did align with ludovico sforza and he did run with Cesare Borgia, which I was just like losing it over Cesare Borgia because like, what, oh my god, that scene! What a historical celebrity! Oh my god, but when? Okay, so they're like working on the Last Supper, and they hear like the, like Milana's like fall into the French, yeah, and then um this like man on horseback comes in he was like make sure leonardo and his artists are able to finish this and he was like i am cesare borgia and i like screamed i was like yeah i know and as soon as like machiavelli shows up i'm like oh, oh my god, god. Yeah, machiavelli and then, oh my god it was so it's good machiavelli. Oh. yeah it was so good but yeah i don't know because i, I feel like had like you know like he was botticelli was around at the same they knew each other and i'm like yeah why didn't you just throw in a little botticelli just for spice like i want to see all these guys just like showing up just yeah to, just to talk for a minute <laughs> that's so funny that i want like so a little cool. botticelli like ooh, bring ghirlandaio in for just like a like but, a cameo yeah <laughs> but it's interesting yeah it's interesting you bring up though because i'm trying to think because i feel like leonardo he would have issues with the south like the saudis life and like their i think politics, he have issues with like the greed and, of it but i feel like if they are giving him enough money to do what he wants to do oh yeah and like create whatever he wants to create and like essentially giving him like carte blanche i think he would turn a blind eye and i think that's what we've seen with leonardo yeah and his like other patrons yeah that's true i feel like as he got older he got he was less interested in kind of doing work just to do work but I feel like earlier on. I know. Well, it was so funny because at the beginning, yeah, he went to work for Ludovico Sforza and he was like, I can make you weapons and I can like help you. Like I can make like war machine stuff and I yeah. can like, be part of battles. But then as soon as he like ever even saw violence, he was like, actually, no. Yeah. <laughs> actually, I'm like as a young man, I think he thought it was going to be cool. And then he got close to like violence and war. And he was like, actually, no, I don't really think I can do that anymore. Yeah. But he would like, he would design it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like that's the thing. Like he would. But that was an interesting um idea that I don't think I'd ever heard that the book posed, not the book, the movie, the show posed where like when he was working for Cesare Borgia, that like maybe he wasn't 100% working like under his own like volition for Chester. like maybe he was in a tough spot where he kind of had to mm. see i it's interesting because i feel like the show that was more of like a show's interpretation yeah i did not get that from walter isaacson's book i didn't either i i, I wonder if they were just trying to make it more like forgivable I, for i us. think they were that's what they were doing yeah i think they were trying to make leonardo like a more likable character person because i feel like yeah, Leonardo would like switch. Like he didn't really care. Oh yeah, even like with like the like because um, he worked a lot John with Galliano, the French, um, a lot with the French. Yeah, and they were they and that was like that was a big deal because the French like killed like a lot of his friends. Yeah, who like stood against them, and yeah. he he like aligned himself with like he was he was protecting himself. Yeah. Well, you know, he's a he's a guy of contradictions. He's a man of. Contradictions. I mean, you got to do what you got to do to survive. He's a complicated and he was person. Just, yeah, I mean, I don't blame him. No, it was tough times. Yeah, to be alive, it was. <laughs> it really, <laughs> really was. interesting. Times. But also because the French like appreciated him a lot more than 
at least the the Florence did. Oh my god, they were in love Florence, with him. Florence could care less. I know. They were like, this guy, you care about him? And I France know. was like, yes, he's a genius. They like, were in love with not. him. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. You should worship the him. The king of France was like obsessed with him. Yeah. Like wouldn't leave him alone. Like showing up every day. And Leonardo's like, dude, give me some space here, bro. Yeah. And French king just keeps showing up every single day. <laughs> they just they they were ahead of their time. They, they knew. They knew. I know. I've been to um in France he has like some of those like spiral staircases that he invented. Yeah. Those are so cool. Yeah, they he really was are. crazy with the spiral stair you know, he loves a spiral. He's he really <laughs> does. Loves a curl. Loves a curl. We learned anything from Leonardo. I know. What what a dork. I love he's him. A, he's just a freaking nerd. Like he's he really is such a geek. He really is. But he, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just like so fascinated by him to the fact that like there's like while we were like looking at books to read there was like yeah. there's a book on polymaths and now i want to learn about more polymaths because mm. i just feel like leonardo i'm honestly so blown away by this i also yeah. want to read a lot of like walter isaacson's other books like the steve jobs and the albert einstein because mm-hmm. i think this book was so well written it was so informative mm-hmm. it was yeah. even like kind of funny like exactly it, like i was laughing it was perfect and it was narrated if you listen to the audiobook is narrated by alfred molina who uh, you may know, he's an actor, and he played Doc Ock in Spider-Man. <laughs> That's the only thing I can think of that he's Role in. of a lifetime. <laughs> Doc Ock. Honestly, great role, though. Great role. Great yeah. actor. Love that guy. He's amazing. And yeah. he did a great job. He did a great job. Yeah. If only Leonardo could have seen that, he would have lost his shit if he saw the, like, the, oh eight, my God. the eight mechanical arms. Leonardo would have, like, definitely invented that. Oh yeah, he would. I said like this whole thing, being like, "What would Leonardo do if he was like alive today? Like, what would he be like?" Oh my gosh, our world would probably be so different. I know that would be so cool. It would be cool. He would be inventing some really cool stuff, and like thinking of some really original things. We would definitely have flying cars. Oh my god, we would. Can well, you imagine with birds? Like just the just like what he was able to con like what he was able to accomplish with like what he had yeah. during his lifetime. Like, I feel like if you put him in today's age, like with all the technology we have and knowledge, it would just be, it'd be, it'd be insane. Yeah. It'd anyway. be insane. We need another I mean, the problem is that he wouldn't really be that interested in like telling everybody else about it. I know. Right. <laughs> so this is why you need like a project manager. <laughs> <laughs> Cause he's out here. He's like finding amazing things and he's just like, silent yeah and then, and then we rediscover it like thousands of years later and we're like oh well that took us like an extra 500 oh, years to figure out it would have been nice to know journal <laughs> yeah oh, uh, but it was all in the mirror script we couldn't figure it out yeah he really threw us for a loop that left-handed thing yeah so that's leonardo as the book says he was a misfit illegitimate gay vegetarian left-handed easily distracted and at times, heretical. Beautiful. And those are all his things, yeah. Beautifully said. He's a lot of Well, things. I highly recommend both this show and this book. Yeah. And the uh, Lost Leonardo movie. Yeah. If you can brave the CW app. Yes. Go That's watch my Leonardo. one qualm. The CW app has like a mind of its own. The CW app is not good. No. No. Leonardo needs to do some work on that. Le- but. Yeah. Even honestly, if you're between the app or if you're between the show and the book, I'd say like read the book. The book is the book is fantastic, phenomenal. Yeah, like I want to like I'm so excited. I want to go to Italy. I want to just like immerse myself in like Leonardo content. Yeah, (laughs) it's just fascinating. I want to be more like Leonardo in many ways. 
I w- you go, girl. Starting with the wardrobe, right? You go, girl. <laughs> That's a you can do that. Pink and purple are not. They're not my colors. I don't think you wear that. I've never seen you wear pink or purple. Uh uh-uh. uh. That's a they're big not my shift. colors. I was I was a blue and green kid. Yeah, you know, not a pink and purple kid. Yeah. But that's not the that's not the point. The you know I can maybe I can have a shift. Yeah, I mean you can do anything you want to. Yeah. If Leonardo has taught us anything, <laughs> dream big, <laughs> question everything, always learn. <laughs> exactly. Anyway. Anyway, well, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. <laughs> okay, so while I was reading this book, I even wrote a song for leonardo okay it's based on that you know alanis morissette song the song you know like i'm a bitch i'm a lover i'm a child yeah I'm, so i wrote a leonardo version okay. <laughs> i can't to tell you this i'm like embarrassed no, at no, the time that i wrote this i was like this is so funny this is genius. i was like i'm so smart and funny leonardo's like really rubbing off on me <laughs> now i'm reading it back and i'm like what the fuck was i okay, tell me what it was so I go, he's a sweetheart he's a jerk he's a dandy he's a nerd he's a sinner he paints saints he will not be ashamed i love it i think that's <laughs> genius that's so good i don't think it's that good i think it's great i don't think it's as good as i thought it was at the time i think it's honestly exceeded my expectations okay good well there you go you're Leave like he rubbed off on me you could be like that guy in the witcher the guy oh. <laughs> <laughs> I could be his bard. I can be Leonardo's yeah, bard. Yeah, you could be Leonardo's bard. Would, oh my god, I would love that. Oh, that'd be so much fun. It would or just be like I, you, Salai, and Leonardo. Oh my god, that's my dream. <laughs> you just have to find a time machine. <laughs> <laughs>